This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Shardage! It's the Sean Dyche show. It's the unveiling. It's the announcement. <laughs> Gravelly. He loses a fifth game. Not so much back on the grass as back on the gravel. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining me to discuss the merits of the incoming new Aston Villa manager, Sean Dyche. Now he's uh, been released. Finally. From purgatory at Burnley. Mr. Chris Bird, Mr. Phil Shaw, Mr. Dan Rogers from the Villa Underground in the house. Hello. Welcome. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, my Villa chums. <laughs> so that's, that's why that's why Christian Perslow organised that fan consultation group meeting. It was to give us the heads up that Sean Dyche was getting sacked and uh, they were lining him up to take over from Gerrard if he gets beat by Leicester and then Dean Smith comes to Villa Park and turns us over. It's the magic fifth defeat, isn't it? I mean, it's been, it's been a long time coming from my point of view. <laughs> and it sets, it sets it all up, David, and... Listeners, just think, we'll have to beat Burnley twice. We'll send them down. Yeah. What a story. Sean Dyche at Villa, sending Burnley down. No, this is not some uh, parallel universe. Uh, we are just joking, of course. Uh, or are we? Or are we? Hmm. You decide. We need something to talk about. Obviously, uh, we're, we're not going to go over the old ground of Spurs, which we uh, did a match reaction. So we will blaze through uh, the latest Villa news, the three points. Before uh, touching on a few themes uh, from the recent uh, fan consultation group meeting with uh, Christian Perslow, centred around what he said about uh, the summer transfer window and uh, expectations for this season, which we are well below. I mean, uh, put a brave face on it. I'll uh, tell you where we were aiming to be uh, later on in the show. Uh, How are you, gents? How are you, Mr. Rogers? I hear you went to that Cadbury's World. uh, Is it yesterday or today? Yes, I had a lovely time. (laughs) 
now diabetic and American. Had my year's supply of chocolate uh, intravenously <laughs> injected. I've seen old postcards from the 60s or 70s, and it, and it looks kind of cool, like from a retro point of view. But is it like a uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory setup, or uh, you know, what's what's your verdict on it? My, my verdict: it's full of small people, small annoying people. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's an interesting afternoon out where uh, you're you're taken through a magical mystery tour of how cocoa is beautifully and ethically harvested. Whilst always being conscious of the large churning mass of chocolate and profit around you, but apart from that, it's a lovely family day out, like Villa Park. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which works in a very similar way. <laughs> it's probably cheaper than Villa Park will be next uh, season. Yeah, boo hiss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm winding up to my comments on that. Don't don't provoke the bed. <laughs> right, uh, are you gents all right? Not bad at all, thank you. Chris, didn't you have some remark about the ladies of Birmingham you wanted to pass on to everyone? <laughs> Not fair. Uh, no. <laughs> Wasn't it similar to what that Newcastle chairman once said? Was it similar? Sim- no, no, no. I'm sure it was more polite. Oh, okay, I must have been must have misheard. You'll, you'll probably see all about it on that Twitter page anyway. They'll make an what, appearance. the chaotic club nights. Chaotic club nights. The flip side of my uh, evening in Digworth was the first time in a long time I saw a girl fall out of a car because she was throwing up out the window. That's never happened before. That was a new experience for everyone involved, I think. That's what you should do. You should be taking pictures. Oh, and I will sell, be. Don't sell, you worry. Selling them to that uh, yeah. Twitter site. Just time lapse. <laughs> Moving on swiftly. Time for some news. Uh, should we talk about the uh, self driving car stopped by San Francisco Place? <laughs> or the villa news? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're equally baffling I mean, at the moment, but. I mean, if the San Francisco police didn't know of the existence of self-driving cars, <laughs> that would be a bit of a bombshell. That's got to be a pull, fuck, isn't it? Excuse me, it sir. Sir, have you <laughs> need some ID? Whoa. Get out like the a, car. Get out yeah. the car. Get on the ground, motherfucker. Oh, my God. I am the car. I can't get out the car. <laughs> I am the car. and Transformer. It's me. It's Optimus Prime. I, I'd like to see the reaction of the San Francisco I'd, I'd, I'd police. I want to video of it, ideally. When they pulled it over and there was no driver in there. Is it a metaphor for our season? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rudderless. Funny enough, uh, they are actually uh, called AVs. Ooh. Autonomous vehicles in the US. So uh, there is a connection to uh, Villa there. Yeah. Uh, autonomous villains. Yeah. Autonomous villains. Just work on autopilot or don't in our case. That's why we need Deitch and SAP. I can't wait. <laughs> Just because he'll bring fucking Vidra with him. I'll have a whole list of Burnley players to bring. <laughs> we need greater physicality, a stronger kind of profile of player in that team. Well, there's so. the height sorted. Just yeah. like man, main mountains. We'll be able to get them cheap as well when they get relegated. So it's all good. Uh, I think we should have some villain news. Let's. Right, we can talk about the on the pitch 
findings from the uh, fan consultation group uh, meeting in the main part of the show. Uh, uh, let's just quickly go through uh, some of the other things. Uh, I put out a uh, Aston Villa dot WTF newsletter regarding the uh, expansion of Villa Park and the uh, rebuilding of the North Stand, which actually all checked out from uh, what I said. Uh, Perslow uh, pretty much confirmed it all and then added bits on uh, mainly about uh, how they're going to leverage, hopefully, uh, it being a potential venue for the Euros bid, which uh, I don't think there's much competition there, is there, for that Euros bid? The other option, Russia. Yeah, and, and they were talking about leaving you over altogether. Because didn't he say that if they were to say have the tournament today, Villa Park wouldn't be able to host games, would it? Yeah, it doesn't fulfil certain criteria. The thinking is they cannot not have Birmingham uh, being yeah. the second city as uh, one of the host cities. So uh, it all falls in with the timing quite nicely. And uh, from uh, what he's been hearing from uh, MPs across the uh, political spectrum and you know all the local ones as well, uh, it's uh, there shouldn't be much much resistance. And the whole Euros campaign thing means that you uh, I won't use the words that how how we describe these kind of people, but you know the kind of people we're talking about, the bureaucrats that kind of get in the way. They should be uh, washed away if it's like a government Euros bid. So, uh, Sorry, who said that? Perslow or Putin? No, was, was expunged. Perslow. So uh, we, we will surf on that wave. The actual development around uh, Witten Park, I mean, it's going to be the Witten station. I mean, they're looking to hopefully expand it, the station itself, you know, like double the platform length. Double the platform, half the trains. What a master. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> dude, get everyone queuing, but not putting them on anything. And then, you know, essentially uh, have this uh, Villa Live Zone, which will have like a live music venue and uh, all kinds of activities. <laughs> Check, uh, there's an atmosphere <laughs> of Villa Park. Is anyone yeah. alive? <laughs> it's a live zone. Uh, fr- from the station all the way to the uh, the stadium. So uh, I-, I think there'll be a few things being knocked down. But uh, from what he says, it could be uh, quite something uh, beyond just uh expanding the capacity of the stadium. It's certainly a part of Witten that needs to get knocked down, that little block, isn't it? The back of the sort Yeah, of you can't lose, park, really. Park. It's, it's, not, worth, worth it's not one of those building situations, is it, where people are going to be protesting about, oh, you, you know, this is going to bring down the aesthetics of the area, it's going to be a nice sort. <laughs> what like, about the heritage? <laughs> <laughs> what about the heritage? It's like a no-lose situation. Yeah, it's no area of outstanding natural beauty, is it? But I mean, we're being harsh there, but no, uh, but it is, but it is true. <laughs> well, the Witten end is, I think, you know, with Aston Park and the, the yeah, yeah, no, that's, 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 I mean, that's, that's a, very nice. That's but a great the, area. The it's lovely the with, the, with the motorway through the middle of it. It really is <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's the expressway going. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of phases. The first phase will be the North Stand and uh, certain Trinity uh, hospitality, and the second phase would probably more than likely be the introduction of uh, safe standing in the lower halts, and then long overdue. Uh, really. And you'll get even more bang for your buck then, Dan, won't you? Not only would you have to pay double money for your seat, you won't even get one anymore. Why are you poking me, Chris, with the stick of <laughs> the stick of increase? We haven't reached. They're, the... they're actually they are they are monitoring. They say the uh, the safe standing trials at the moment, but they will not be part of the North Stand uh, new stand. 
Shame, really, because Villa were in the conversation very early on, weren't they? And now we were like the leaders, weren't we? At one mm. point, well, the first ones to put our hands up and say we will trial it yeah. uh, if requested. And then problem is we've had so many ownership uh, changes, flirtations with liquidation, and everything that it it went way, way down the priority list. Yeah. So because uh, Wolves have got it, haven't they? I saw. Yeah. Amongst but anyway, uh, the, ultimately, after 10 years and the first two phases, you should be looking at a 60,000 uh, Villa Park, which uh, would be uh, hopefully with some new silverware in the in the trophy cabinet. All the more reason to keep prices low with all those seats, eh? Mm. It's, like, it's like West Ham did. Slashed their prices, didn't they, when they went to the Olympic Stadium? Well, that's because they don't have to bloody pay for the mm. stadium. Been paying we, for we are, yeah. For the, yeah, we are taxpayers uh, money uh, if you didn't get what we were saying there ticket prices as everybody knows they will be uh, increasing next season <laughs> after uh, an initial scare of uh, social media thinking it was going to be 30% uh, it's going to be more <laughs> <laughs> fucking wankers <laughs> Uh, well, if, unless uh, unless they see the light, uh, there's going to be a minimum of 10%. Uh, I don't know if, if I would be emboldened to say for most people, because there are quite a lot of uh, concession changes and zonal changes. So you're going to lose, uh, it's, they say it's, oh, it's to make it simplified, but basically it's to gentrify the stadium. It's getting rid of all the cheap zones. And uh, the problem is when you have those, in effect, three it's like a three for some people it'd be if you're a concession already whatever you know whether you're uh over 65 soon to be over seven, uh, 67 or uh under 21 under 18 under 14 wh- whatever you you will get uh, a, a cut in the concessions there then if you happen to be in a uh, zone which is going up a zone in terms of the price level then you're going to get incur that uh, increase and then uh, 10% as well and uh, you know I'm privy to the figures which uh, because they are uh, well let's say they're a working progress at the moment from the report we've seen I'm not going to uh, you know it's a confidential report I'm not going to say but uh, anyway we we kind of been uh, a bit uneasy about this uh, threefold but nobody actually worked it out I think a few fans have but they don't know the real figures uh, with the real figures I thought oh, let's let's just do a couple of examples and uh, and it is uh, literally it's like oh shit and uh, Thursday uh, the fan consultation group actually sent a statement to the club to say you might want to uh, reconsider this because uh, threefold price increases do come pound to quite a staggering percentage increase and potentially quite a staggering mass exodus of people who can't afford to go anymore well regardless regardless of there being any increases yes yeah, say good yeah. say goodbye to your uh your, your waiting list which they're oh so proud of at the moment uh, and what a way to reward longevity and people who have sat through some sat through turgid, you know but put their money in at, at the lowest ebbs of the club as well and mm, they need to think long I mean, I, I and always, hard um with that sort of stuff, I always refer back to Bayern Munich when they said, you know, you work out how much are you actually making on this? And wasn't it like they said, oh, well, if we do a price increase, we make about three million. What's three million in the grand scheme of a transfer or a wage structure? It's nothing. It helps make up for the uh, the lack of prize money uh, we're getting by finishing in the lower regions of the, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. in the last, Premier League. Last one, I think the last podcast I attended, we all pre- predict something in and around ninth or tenth finish. <laughs> so for every yeah, for yeah, every yeah. result. And of course, Dyche is imminent uh, appointment. Um, every 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 place we lose, another two hundred percent goes on season ticket renewals. Is is what I think. pay this. Got to pay the severance money somehow, haven't they? We'll discuss this uh, at another point. Uh, 
to not distract from uh, the villa news but it is a uh, a concern so we'll see how the uh, the dice uh, land on that one but you know from their point of view it's uh, villa have considered uh, good value across the premier league and then and it, they actually do benchmark quite low when you have all the pricing put in a graph of all and the other uh, clubs. Fair. They're banking on that. They're emboldened by a 22,000 uh, plus uh, waiting list because, uh, you know, obviously not all of those 22,000 will want a ticket if the prices go up, but they know it's not going to be uh, zero now. And isn't, isn't a lot of that list uh, for for corporates as well? Uh, we don't know. I mean, let's not c- complicate it. But the, you know, if people drop off, they're confident that you know that twenty-two thousand is going to cover the situation. I'm not too sure. It's easy jumping on a list just to have a place on the list. There's a difference between parting with six, seven hundred quid mm. to actually get the ticket when when called upon to do it. So uh, we shall see. But all I know is if they go out with the uh, rises as is, there's there's going to be some uh, heavy duty. Artillery headlines with the percentages, mm. put it that way. Mm. Meanwhile, uh, obviously Villa weekend off. Uh, Archer and uh, Davis have been doing all right. Both Keenan Davis and for Nottingham Forest and Cameron Archer for Preston have both started uh, 14 games. Davis has scored five and Archer's got seven. Both doing uh, well. Do you think uh, they'll be uh, in the, the the squad next season? I think Archer's got a better chance. I think Archer might be. I think they'll they'll know that Davis has probably put a bit of value on top of him and they can yeah. now would be if you're gonna get rid, now would be the time, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think if Forrest get promoted, then I think they might uh, get him in. Because obviously they'll yeah. get money. Yeah. So uh, I mean that's not I mean, Davis in the Premier League, I, I think he's uh, he's good enough to be in the, you know, a squad of three or four strikers and I'd agree with that, but I think, I think we've seen we've sort of seen his development trajectory, a lot of injuries. But yeah. let's not say anything too bad, just in case the scouts are monitoring this yes. podcast. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> very good player, very good player, very, very solid, good. dependable. On his, on his day is, and he, and he did he did shit out of the Blues pretty well. The never gets injured. Never gets injured. No. Also, the 125th anniversary of Villa Park uh, this weekend. It's a shame they didn't finish all this expansion for the uh, 125th uh, anniversary celebration. Might be done by the 150th. It's a bit of nostalgia, isn't it? And I think someone made a great point about the changes pre 1990. Really, that we had, you know, you had a great Trinity Trinity Road stand. The Holt End was iconic, and the all of the inverted commas improvements since have have degraded the stadium and in a very different way. I think it's very it's not dissimilar to how you look at like an old Trafford now. Old Trafford is not a great experience stadium or a great looking it's at stadium. The away end there is one of the worst away ends. Mm. But it's neither do we need to go it's, it's, it's big and imposing, but it's not it's not you know, the San Siro is the same. It's big, it's imposing, yeah. it's legendary, but it's a shithole. But that's why the North Stand redevelopment is um you know there's other things that wrapped around it that I think require some scrutiny but the North Stand redevelopment is not before time. You know, as, yeah. and I'm not surprised they're looking at the Trinity because you know, as relatively modern as it is, what it replaced in terms of the tradition and the grandeur—it's um, yeah. a bit plastic, isn't it? And a bit naff. I mean, we sat up there There's for basically a of... zero architectural merit. Oh, it's functional, isn't it? And it's and but it's not um, it's not imposing. It's not awe dropping. You know, even the approach along along Trinity Road—it it was all done a bit on the cheap for me. Yeah, well, it was. That was the Doug Ellis way. 
Yep. The fact that he ruined that stand and then had the one across named after him is uh, it's a bit of irony there. But uh, there's a bit of work to do uh, before you can really say, you know, super stadium. I mean, it's still a, a good experience in terms of the Premier League. But I think from listening to Perslow talk about what the plans are and, uh, and you know, this time we're actually up and running for a change, uh, you, you could have a real uh, Villa Park to be proud of. Good. Because there's so much scope to do that, especially with the North Stand of the build, because the amount of space they've got to do it in, you, there's no reason why you can't do something really good at that end of the ground. Yeah, well, I mean, they're losing. I mean, the fact that they were, you know, they've been losing con- summer concerts to bloody the Coventry Rico Arena or whatever over, I'm talking over the last, you know, few quite a long years time. and decades. Uh, you would have thought like a modern, great access uh, stadium in Birmingham would. Uh, get a lot of the um you know the giants you know when the stones roll through or, yeah. or whatever i mean they you know they're still fucking going but that kind of caliber of act uh, just just yeah just to cover the middle of it you should be the place in the middle of england should literally be a guarantee that if somebody's touring they're touring villa park but the fact that hasn't really been the case and you can count the big the big concerts on like almost like one hand is uh, yeah. in, and I'm talking over decades is is kind of embarrassing and it's a lost opportunity there. So they really need to get this one right to uh, create a, an infrastructure for the surrounding area that's not just 19 days of income from Villa home games. Well, an infrastructure is going to be the main thing, isn't it? That that transport in and out of there is the the obvious pinch point. Um, but you know, I was just thinking as you were saying. I mean, the, and although it's been cancelled now, the Foo Fighters gig was an outlier. Really, there was nothing else. Yeah, you know, um, and and it's again, it's with a bit of nostalgia. That's I think there was some. Uh, it's no surprise we're not appearing on. I know that the the main semi finals go to Wembley now, but we. I think the big big clubs should be competing to get that back. Really. Yeah, I mean, uh, Wembley have got an argument at the moment because uh, you know you can't really knock on their door and go right, let's get them back at Villa Park and Hillsborough because they go yeah, well, yeah, really, <laughs> and even really? You know, even in the summer, you know, you've got England being taken on the road and they're going to the bloody Molyneux. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. Right. It's time for some Media Muppets. Right, Phil, what's in the uh, Media Muppet trough this week? Well, this week we're going subscription-based with uh, the the athletics campaign to stop people tackling Spurs players after the unfortunate unfor- <laughs> injury to Matt Doherty against Villa. One of their Tottenham writers, um, Charlie Eccleshire, which is a good name if you're going to be um, on, putting clickbait out, um, wrote a piece titled um, Doherty's injury felt inevitable rather than unfortunate. Tackles like that should be called out, not celebrated. He said... His view was that Doherty's body position made him a sitting duck and cash going in that hard was unnecessary and potentially dangerous. Uh, and he goes, this is not an attempt to call out or criticise the individuals in question. Really? What? <laughs> I didn't know there's such a, like a woke line in uh, football journalists now. Oh yeah, there, there certainly is because they didn't only squeeze this article out of it. They also managed to get a whole podcast out of it where they brought in Mings's tackle on Kulusevsky, which I got the pronunciation right this time, and um, and it was a, it was a similar tackle. And uh, of hang course, on a minute, did Lucas Dean go off with a broken collarbone or or whatever it was? Well, it was suspected, wasn't it? Well, How it did that happen? Air. Oh no! Not, well, I mean, it wasn't Spurs' fault, was it at all? Well, <laughs> like just just thin air. Yeah, just just thin air did that as well. Yeah, oh, but. Right, okay. uh, Eccleshire goes on further, going, um, a shift in the mindset of officials and the wider footballing community in England is needed to make injuries like Matt Doherty's feel unfortunate rather than inevitable. But the worst thing about it is the whole piece 
as them repeatedly calling Cash's tackle a bad tackle. If you actually watch it and not just stare at the freeze frames, Doherty miscontrols the ball, Cash puts it out, and then Doherty runs into the tackle. He'd ample time to avoid it or back out, but of course, like Cash, Doherty's a committed player, so he didn't. He, you know, he kept going. It It is one of those things. If you can't... This is like almost contrary to the... Uh... The opinion that you know what's happened to the game that used to allow tackles and and that's what the crowd loves a bit of blood and thunder it's ridiculous uh, this kind of line of thought to uh, chastise a, a player like Matt, uh, Matty Cash with cash it's you know it's it's a hundred percent commitment isn't it and most fans of most clubs I think respect that when someone goes in hard and wins the ball you now he doesn't go in to injure the player I don't think it's a reckless tackle yeah it's competitive it's competitive it's- and. Sometimes that happens, and especially I was always taught as a as a kid when you play, if you if you pull out of a tackle, that's when you get hurt. And, you know, when you leave a yeah. leg dangling or something, that's when you get smashed. This whole idea of uh, starting to cry about challenges and oh, it's just an it's another example. They're they're, they're just gaslighting football fans uh, on social media just to you know square square off against one another. I mean, this is the same sort of media that is you know holds Roy Keane up on a pedestal for being honest and telling the truth on, on Sky Sports. I mean, do they, do they need to rewind and look at some of Roy Keane's tackles and stamps and assaults on the pitch? I mean, oh, was that the stuff with the, that whole Harland yeah, saga exactly. was disgraceful. I mean, if you want to say a bad tackle, that's a bad tackle. It's not Matty and Cash. It was premeditated, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go and end your career. There was a clip on uh, Twitter from Sky Sports where, you know, they're having a... Uh, a debrief from the uh, Manchester City versus Atletico Madrid game and uh, there's a guy who writes for the Athletic again I mean obviously Athletic don't like uh, tough tackling games or uh, or the dark arts or shithousery or whatever you want to call it because he you know he was crying that uh, Atletico Madrid were a disgrace and he would prefer beautiful football over winning trophies because obviously Atletico Madrid have been uh, effective in how they approach the game because they've won a couple of La Ligas not the Champions League as Sky Sports claimed they had uh, in recent years but they've you know they've won uh, the Europa League in recent memory and a couple of La Ligas and you know to win the Spanish title in a two-horse race that is Barcelona versus Real Madrid is quite an achievement. And I'm sure the fans are not complaining about uh, how they play because you want to win trophies. This is what it's about. And this, you know, the athletic journalist said, I'd rather have a team that plays beautiful football than wins trophies. And then he backtracked and said, oh, hopefully, well, he, you know, playing beautiful football would, would lead in the future to winning trophies. Well, well, it wouldn't. You can't take Manchester City on playing the same way as they do when they've got more money than any any team out there and because of uh, the football authorities not making this game fair and uh, for allowing sovereign states to buy clubs and basically pump them with as much money as possible then you've got to do something within your means to try to uh, even the, the playing field and you know I have no problem with how Madrid approached that game at all and actually I mean Having watched the second half of that game, you know, the incident at the end is obviously a considered unsavoury, but you see it happen every now and then. But actually, for most of that second half, it was really competitive. And yeah. Madrid showed how to approach a team like Man City was getting their face. And they were fucking aggressive, really aggressive. And that's going to spill over at times, but it's going to happen, isn't it? You can't, as you said, you can't go toe-to-toe with Man City and try and out tippy-toe around the pitch playing pretty football it's not going to happen it's so naive no, you, you've mm-hmm. basically got to get in their face and yeah. uh, and and fuck them up as the uh, I the remember that's what we said you know, before that cup final a few a couple of seasons back you know Villa are not going to win that cup final by trying to out football them they're going to have to go and smash a few 
I mean, we've seen Villa trying to out-football Manchester City and we end up trapped in our own six-yard box, <laughs> passing it around in our own six-yard box and Martinez kicking it out for a throw-in. It was a corner, wasn't it? Sorry, it was a corner, yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you try to play the beautiful game against Manchester City. It's just like hot takes from... Uh, Normally, the words woke and snowflake are used by uh, different kinds of people yeah. <laughs> in conversations, but I'm going to use them uh, to the athletic writers in this case because uh, that ain't nothing, uh, the Atletico Madrid and what they did and compared to what we've seen in the past. Right, on to the three points. Uh, first point, uh, Diego Maradona's shirt from that well it's infamous isn't it the uh, 86 world cup match against england hand of god is uh, going into auction and it's expected to reach about four million pounds and ex-villa player steve hodge is the man who's got it and who's uh, selling it but there's a plot twist is there not Yes, there is. Um, the plot twist is um, Diego's eldest daughter, Dalma, has said it's not the shirt that he scored the Hand of God goal in. Um, with plenty of disdain, she says, that ex-England player thinks he's got my dad's second half shirt, but there's a confusion. He has the first half top. I wanted to explain that the people, so whoever wants to buy it knows the truth. I think this is... Uh, I've got the four million pound shirt. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that he would have been wearing the second half shirt when he walked off the pitch and exchanged the uh, shirt. Yeah, I suppose only Hodge knows the truth. I mean, Unless Maradona's got some kind of tradition where as soon as the final whistle goes, he changes back into the first half shirt. I mean, he was a bit wacky, so you wouldn't be surprised. This one's all covered in powder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Is that why it's worth four million? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you put it, if you uh, if you melt it all down, it's just... yeah, eighty-six Mexican cut. <laughs> yeah, it's like the uh, before they started uh, vintage gear, cutting it down. Yeah. It's, it's really pure. attractive to dogs <laughs> in airports. <laughs> right, uh, point number two: uh, the Portuguese Football Federation want to uh, test sixty-minute football matches uh, in an effort to uh, combat time wasting now time wasting is just literally what's been i've been watching more of at villa park than football in recent uh, weeks and months and even the spurs were at it when they were one nil up uh, in that first half yeah so what are they, what's their plans yeah well the plan is to have the game be two 30 minute halves with the clock only ticking when the ball's in play now, of course, when this news broke, everybody's gone, oh, don't change the game, stop changing the game. But if if you look closely and do a bit of digging, this isn't as radical as it sounds because a recent piece from the analyst shows that the ball is only in play a maximum of 56 minutes of a game if you're Man City compared to bottom of the table, Aston Villa, who only have the ball in play 40 minutes, or sorry, 48 minutes on average. What? <laughs> 40 minutes? I don't know why I'm surprised by this news. No, but I mean, the f- oh, I wish I, I wish I had this table when uh, we were looking through the uh, ticket price uh, reports. Fifty percent reduction on this. Yeah, we need a reduction. <laughs> the ball's never in bloody play, for God's sake. You know, if the, if it's just like the ball, the clock stops as soon as the ball goes out of play. It would, it would work. It would, the only thing is, you run the risk of it turning into like an NFL game instead of ninety minutes a game last week. I don't mind them doing that in terms of stoppage time. Just do it like rugby. Just hang when on, they, hang when on. Is goes down injured, clock off. 
stuff. It's so fucking easy. Is there a risk we could be at Villa Park longer here? Is that what you're yeah. saying? Phil? Ah, good point. <laughs> Very much. And then a five-minute VAR check actually turns into a five-minute at the end of the game instead of the 30 seconds or whatever sits them. Yeah, it's we're, we're definitely getting ripped off because I, I, most of the time we're, we're watching uh, Villa this season, just use that as an example, it's just people getting frustrated because they're actually not watching any football whether it's a Watford player pretending to be injured one inch within the touchline so it does actually stop the clock or uh, Spurs players trying to break up momentum of Villa when we were on fire for five minutes. The, the, the common one this season's been where they don't, it's the stopping of the play and then them not avoiding the trainer coming onto the field so that then they don't have to go off. That's the one that really winds me yeah. up. Yeah, but they've got to look at this because uh, it's, it's, I've had enough... Uh, the weird one, actually, with that, as you mentioned, it was uh, just just do it for just me. Yeah. There was a, there was a strange one. I think I'd mentioned it before. That was a there was a, a little thing, a little quirk that had come out just before we played Southampton. It was actually the first time it hadn't happened, but apparently every game Southampton had had a stoppage on sixty five minutes. Yes, and the players were all running over to the yes. um, the bench when they to get drinks and stuff in them. Villa, of course, by that point, they were four 0 down. So I thought, well, what's the fucking point? This is the problem with this game. It's uh, it's got old rules basic rules but there's so much technology and uh, overthinking of the game it's that it's kind of warping the actual game now and taking advantage of it i mean it's it's done that financially uh straight away because when they started the premier league they didn't really think about things like wage caps and uh, other devices to actually make it fair as a sporting contest uh i mean uh, one of the things that Perslow was talking about was you know the fit and proper test basically said What's your name? Have you been arrested? No. Got any money? Yeah, good. Club's yours. Seen us all right to date, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they get, they're going to have a think about that because uh, people are taking advantage of this uh, the time-wasting uh, situation for sure. Point number three. Ticketless Celtic fan went to extreme lengths to sneak into uh, enemy territory and a reach recent old firm game. It is pretty difficult to get tickets for the old firm uh, matches. It's difficult to get tickets for either of them anyway. Especially for an away fan. They weren't letting them in for two or three seasons. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this Celtic fan couldn't get a uh, ticket for the match, so he uh, applied for a job in the food kiosk. So uh, he had to show up for work at uh, 9am, then proceeded to uh, hide in the toilets until the away fans arrived. And then, uh, despite all the uh, the heightened security, obviously because of the old firm rivalry, uh, he wasn't found. Joined in, and uh, at the end of the game, uh, was celebrating by uh, posting on social media his employment contract and uh, obviously pictures of him uh, in in the game. Played the long-term game there, didn't he? That's some ingenuity, isn't it? I had been thinking of a way of penetrating Villa's away scheme. So... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically, you apply for 19 jobs all around the country at everybody else's stadium. Huge demand for hospitality workers at the moment, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Surging applications. See you at Leicester, everyone. Have you any prior experience in this? Yes. Well, if you look closely, I've had 18 other jobs this season in exactly (laughs) the same position. (laughs) Yes. uh, you just got to think outside your box when there's things like uh, problems getting away, tickets, etc. There's always a way. There's always a way. Right. So let's talk about uh, something that came up uh, in the fan consultation group. The, The summer transfer window, where we are. We've been, this season, we budgeted to be eighth 
That's where they uh, were expecting to finish. I think a similar position the season before. So we've been well down in that, and especially uh, after this uh, losing streak that we've just had now. Now, you know, a lot of fans will go, well, you know, it's only a few million here and there. I mean, if we finish 14th, we would be... I think just over, based on the last season's uh, prize money for league table finishes, would would be over a shade over ten million worse off than what we budgeted for. Now that might be a player, but drag it back. It's more its impact on the rest of the uh, infrastructure of the club. You know, whether it's uh, improving fan facilities. You, you've got a situation where the women's team uh, costs per season under a million pounds. The whole thing, Matt one player's uh, wages for a couple of months. Two weeks of Coutinho. So if suddenly you've lost... Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like it's, it's lunch money or something. So if you've suddenly lost 10 million that you were budgeted in, that's where you're looking to... Uh, you know, that means the uh, the acceleration of buying the two or three, let's say, higher class women's players probably not going to happen because uh, of where the men have finished. Or, uh, you know, it may affect the academy. And so it does have impact uh, in that way, uh, big time. But this is the problem now is uh, this is what we've probably been saying when we're, you know, when we're going after players is uh, where we're expecting to finish. And it's always top half, top half. And it's, you know, the boy who cried wolf. So, uh, A, in terms of uh, Coutinho, is that, you know, if we finished 14th, 13th, is that going to be enough to, uh, is he going to be looking elsewhere? Of course he is going to be casting uh, an eye of, you know, what's what's potentially out there. Ooh, Brighton. That'd be a pathetic end to the season, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, it's compromising, not only financially, but also yeah. in scope of what you can do in the transfer market. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay. Now, uh, talking about the transfer market, uh, personally said it's not going to be like a wholesale uh, change of what we did under Smith when we, you know, the first season or two that we were up in the Premier League. But uh, it's not going to be a case of just one or two players. But the key word was rejuggling recycling the squad so uh it looks like uh a few out to pay for the to to contribute to the ones coming in it's a really important transfer window this this Um, one is yeah 
and and uh, it's one that, uh, for all the reasons as you just said, I think that you've, you we have to we have to now bring together probably upwards of three or four top top quality players that that lift you into that eighth position. I think eighth was ambitious on on the signings that we got, to be honest. But well, I I, I would disagree with you because I think if I wouldn't with fourteen <laughs> spending that amount of money. Uh, I think at the start wow. of the season, most fans would have thought we, we've got a good chance here of. Uh, I think if you, went down, if you went down the two I mean, squad you, you, lists, we were talking about Europe. So if you're saying you know finish in eighth or ninth, you would say yeah, this this there's enough here to get there. I think I the still bit think, I still it, think they should be on paper. Uh, yeah, I think the bit for me is that it's the depth element that you know we're not talking about the the top end of the division where they can they can field two two teams of eleven that are top top quality we, we've got to we're in that balancing act on we've got to acquire players that in the same market that many of our competitors are, competitors are trying to do at the same time and i think this is where this is where I, I do think it's a good part of our gamble and where our investment should be we we want a crop of young academy players or those players we've acquired into our academy to be in and around the squad of the quality you know perhaps developing with those high quality players i, I would argue that a couple are and ramsey's yeah, yeah, actually uh, broke through no well, i agree ramsey's but he's probably it's... ahead of schedule irobenham's sort of yeah. looking like he's on track Carney, no one quite knows where he sits. I think that Tommy O'Reilly lad's reasonably well thought of, isn't he? And there's a, and there's a couple of others. And of course, but, then sorry, got just to go just to go back to uh, what Perslow said, he said the the starting lineup for the first game of next season will look decidedly uh, different. So uh, you would imagine, let's say, f- lesser ballpark. I would say that's five players, four or five starters. I, I think, think you're will looking be at in probably place. a new spine. But you keep your goalie, obviously. I don't think you're going to get better than what we've got. Probably looking at a centre-back. Definitely a central midfielder, surely. Um, two, I, I think. If you don't get yeah, two, two, then you're yeah. fucked. And then if you if you count something like a permanent signing of, say, Coutinho in the attacking areas, there's your, there's your four. But I'm, I'm not 100% he will uh, stick around. If I'm in his shoes, I'm thinking, where am I in my career? Right, you would consider that I'm in my prime. You know, Age-wise, like- yeah. And uh, I want to still win things because, you know, in a few years' time, I'll be uh, cast out to sea. So I'll be looking for best available offers. And uh, if Villa aren't legitimately... I mean, Villa's aim is to be, at this point in time, their aim, and realistically, and this is, you know, from the horse's mouth, is to be the best of the rest. So this is this is outside the top six. Did he actually use the word recycle? Because that's a very interesting word. That's not... You know, get rid of juggle, recycle. It's definitely players going out 100%. Mm. Gerard's not impressed. I mean, you only have to look at the performances against, you know, Newcastle. You have to watch his rings a bell, Watford rings a bell. And Perslow said he's never worked with anybody as driven. And he said the next day after a loss, it's like uh, hell on earth. He, he doesn't like losing and he's not used to it. And there's there's going to be a culture change at Villa. Well, there already is. There are some obvious candidates, aren't there? Oh, well, yeah. There's guys yeah, in the contract. There's guys who haven't been getting a sniff anyway, have they? So, you know, oh. your target's easy, easy one out the door and you'll probably make profit on him, El Ghazi. Fucking Louise. They were t- uh, yeah, I mean, Louise uh, will be the one you'll actually make some good money on, you'd like to think. I would be surprised if uh, Louise is still around. But there's other guys in the squad with sort of, we've sort of used the word like potential upside. People like Buendia or even like someone like McGinn, you can get the best out of these guys and you, they look like good people, good personalities to have around. And they'll continue yeah. to buy into what they're trying to achieve and they'll work towards it. And if they don't quite make the cut, you know it won't be for want of trying. Louise, you sort of look at him and go, you've got you've got all the tools to be a top player, but you just haven't got it between your ears. Yeah. And if I think you know, he's been here long enough now that if he was going to be a consistently top-level player, he would have showed he was going to be by now. 
Who'd still be at City? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, to, or, to be honest, if he was at that level... Well, Manchester he'd, he'd City got, aren't lose. stupid, are they? I mean, no. they're obviously not going to shout from the, you know, from the top of the Etihad. How would you watch uh, Fernandinho consistently? Oh, he's, he's really shit. Can somebody take him off our hands? They're not going to say that, are they? They're going to uh, say, oh, yeah, we want to keep him, but we just, yeah, we, we just might can't buy get him the back. work permit. Can't <laughs> get the work <laughs> permit. <laughs> Yeah, we might I don't buy know where him he'd back. go, though. You'd, surely you'd think he'd have to go abroad. You couldn't see anybody in the Premier League touching. He's a perfect player for the Spanish League or even Italian League. I mean, probably Spanish League would probably suit him better. And he's, he's you know, he's, he's he's been on loan there. I'm and not the sure he's always been. Releg- in- and the team got relegated. <laughs> oh, yes, they did. <laughs> he's, he's very <laughs> Arsenal. Or he's very old school Arsenal, isn't he? Not when Arsenal were weak. He, he would fit into that sort of Arsenal. Oh, yeah, he looks like a good player. Technically gifted, but no, no bollocks. Exactly. Or maybe Spurs. Anyway, so we've sold him. <laughs> I think, Joe. You know, I think he'll go to someone like a Fulham. Go and live the lifestyle in West London. Go and live the influence. Oh, he'd life probably in love London. that. Actually, he'd yeah. love it, wouldn't he? Spend all day in Harrods. But you know, Fulham would need a bit more, I think, to uh, yeah. stay up. They've probably got more already. Anyway, who else? We've kicked him uh, enough. Al Ghazi, you think will go? Those are easy ones. What about the centre backs? What's going on there? I think there'll be one with a question mark. <laughs> like, like, what's going on there? <laughs> well, I mean, just, um, what about those centre backs? What's going on there? They've obviously just they've just <laughs> signed Chambers, so he won't be going anywhere just yet, and he's done reasonably well recently. Hawes just signed a new deal, didn't he? And they like him as a backup. So it wasn't so long ago that uh, the social media and local mentioning no names some local uh, press chaps were saying jumping on the bandwagon of uh, social media and saying uh, how, you know sacrilege Southgate should have Konza in the England team and I was like no no he's got to prove it he's got to do more and do more consistently and uh, he's been found out this season that he is not ready to be uh, England's star Rolls Royce uh, centre back at all which says a lot doesn't it when you look at the, the, the levels of consistency this year from people like Maguire I mean I think Stones has become a, a very good player actually yeah, now um, now's now's a good chance to be an England centre back. Actually, because we're not exactly gifted. There's there's not much depth there. Yeah, I, I think Mings. It's quite interesting that he, Gerard publicly had that conversation about the uh, captain the, position, the captain, and you know yeah. needing leaders. I mean, we've we've been there before with the whole we need leaders. That was our mantra in the championship, and so we just went around buying every championship team's captain. <laughs> <laughs> He got us out of the league eventually, didn't it? But, not, not, not caring uh, what position they played or if, uh, you know, if they would work I mean, together. Yeah, Can you play centre back? Yeah, why not? McCormack, yeah. Tick. <laughs> exactly. We want captains in every position. Elphick, Tick. Yeah. Injured. And I think, and ultimately, of course, we're going to have to go and buy a, a backup goalkeeper because there'll be a few guys who are out of contract. Yeah, but we're talking four or five. Let's just stick That's to the like important upgrade, things. Aren't we? So where where's that? I think the midfield. I think there's definitely got to be two. There's no way he's, he's going into next season without two new midfielders. Unless you can get one who's starters, very good and he thinks oh, I can get the best. Depending on the shape, he you're wants getting to rid play. of Louise and you're getting somebody else in there as well. I I, I can't see him. Get, you could maybe play someone with Nakamba. It depends what system ultimately no, wants to play. I don't play. think he wants to start. I think I think you're just treading water, keeping those that same midfield. I think you two straight in if that means treading on Nakamba's uh, McGinn's head Louise's head so be it because that that midfield's just not going to get us anywhere it's not going to get us where we want to be I think it shows and this is no slight on Nakamba I think it shows how we really are short in that part of the pitch that we as a clamour to get him back into the team we really 
have in a weird it's so strange because his, his form his early form under under Gerard before he got injured was was right. very good you know you can't you can't knock it but but he is yeah it's just a functional player though ultimately but, he doesn't offer anything in the opposition <laughs> yeah half. and then that was that was sort of where I was heading that, that are we going to be a 5 or 6 out of 10 Premier League club or are we going to kick on and I, I don't know who that player is by the way um, and, no, and there no was, it's not an obvious one. A lot was made I, I of Basuma. I, I think it might I'm be Darwin sure. in the rough who we don't know about. But you'd hope there's such things as footballers out there who get paid these ridiculous amounts of money who are good at tackling and so can play a more defensive midfield, but also they can shoot as well and I'm they can drive with the ball. It. It's not it's not too much to ask, is it, to pay somebody 100 grand a week to be able to do that since they class themselves as a footballer? Maybe he had a dead ball as well. This is what I can't understand. The the kind of shit that you get for the the amount of money they're getting wages. It just just blows my mind. I mean, I have to say this. I have to bury my head in the sand most of the time just to do these podcasts and actually turn up at Villa Park. Whenever you say that. The truth be told, I am amazed what these footballers do get away with. I sort of knew knew that whenever you said instead of treading on the toes of these players, you were treading on the heads of them again and and all that bit. (laughs) David's a pretty tall guy, to be honest, so he can But let's not mince around. I, you would consider, well, just look at the league table now. West Ham are the best of the rest at the moment. And I think their two midfielders are, uh, le- you know, leagues good, above well, I mean, uh, what I mean, we've they're, got. They're not in the top four, but they've actually probably got one of, if it's only my opinion, I think yeah. they've actually got probably one of the top two or three midfielders in the whole league. And they are best of the rest at the moment. And that's yeah. that, that's the what Villa are aiming for. So that just shows you what kind of calibre player you have to have just to get there. Well, you're looking for a, an established international player, which anybody who's playing for a half-decent yeah. side is going to want to be playing probably Champions League or European football. Because, you know, the, the Coutinho thing's like, a, it's kind of a bit of stunt casting. I think it works in terms of getting Villa somewhere. If Villa have got a good team around him. That, Let's say uh, we've got it all together and we're very happy with our 8 out of 10 team and then you get Coutinho in and it's he's the that bit extra that... He's your glitter, gets, isn't he? I'm, I'm talking about aspiration. So if we are the best of the rest and then you get Coutinho in, that might be the... The player that gets you, uh, you know, whether it's top four, but at least, you know, top six, that allows mm-hmm. you to break in. What his role is at the moment, I have no idea. It's it's more a commercial role, really, to get uh, bums on That's seats. That's the opportunism and, uh, bit, that he, he yeah. was available. Gerard's the manager, and I, I don't think they'd have thought necessarily our season would have gone, you know, to this point, I don't think they expected to be on a, such a poor run. But yeah. they're, they're trying to rehabilitate him as they're rehabilitating us, aren't they? And, and he's very, as you said, very marketable. Um, yeah. And... There is some magic in there. I think that a lot hinges on whether he wants to be on that journey, doesn't he? As you say, he's coming in at a time when we're not necessarily equipped to use him to his best effect, and that perhaps you know, thinking of some of the away games, particularly that he's not necessarily in the form that we might remember. With that said, if the decision is Villas, and uh, you've got X amount of money, and it's either a super solid midfielder. Or uh, Coutinho, you know, which one are you going for? I, personally, I would go with the midfielder. I think because just because the simple fact that you've got Buendia. Yeah. Yeah, that, that does complicate things. Uh, uh, the thing about the Coutinho, and, I, and I, it's really surprised me, is that he's so technically good at times that you wonder if we did have a couple of, a couple of transfer windows to, and, and this this is sacrificing Buendia to some degree, I think. If we had a couple of transfer windows where you could put a, a two top quality midfielders around a player like him, keep him fit, keep him interested, and he's the main yeah. man, I think you've you've perhaps... Cause you can't just go out and buy a Coutinho, is what I'm trying no, to say. No. Yeah. But 
there's no guarantees that he performs to the level that we would hope necessarily. Yeah, he's not. He's. I don't think he's the type of player with a big enough personality to carry the team. Uh, you know, for example, Grealish managed to, but but there's there's some good things about that as well. That he seems again. This is based on bits and pieces that I've seen. Very humble. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't appear to crave the limelight um, in a At in all. a negative PR. You know, so he seems very safe there. But I do think that you perhaps need a. I think, and I don't want to make the point for you. You, you may need bigger personalities around him. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's what lifts a team. That's what lifted a lifted the big Man United teams. That what that's what lifts a big Liverpool team. And that's the you know the, yeah the, exactly what you're talking about is the the two midfielders. I'm I'm thinking about. I want their profiles to be those kind of players. Uh, because at the moment, there's nobody really with the responsibility of our midfield. Well, I've, we've said it a few times. It's that who's that guy when the chips are down who's going to grab a game yeah. by the scruff of the neck? On paper, you think it should be McGinn because that's what he does for Scotland. But whether it's his role or whatever it is, I don't know. You see it in mo- moments where Ramsey sort of, you go, give me the ball, I'm going to carry it. And that's great. And you think if he can keep his improvement going, he'll become a good player for us. Um, but you do you need someone who's like your Declan Rice for West Ham and those kind of players who just run the game for you. They dictate your tempo. And the defensive side of it yeah. is as important. Yeah, physical, physical like profile, that. an aerial profile because we're a very short team. And they can read the game as well. I mean, yeah. can McGinn read a game? I don't know. And someone who's probably tactically switched on enough to know who can manage the game on the field for Gerard? That guy who, well, I say, who runs the game for you, who dictates your patterns of play rather Gerard barking orders from the touchline when the players can't understand him. McGinn's a good example of, of the kind of player who is arguably most at risk of a team that wants to transcend into the top part of the division. And this this is a real surprise for me that I thought that McGinn would be the... I was just describing how I'd hope for Coutinho to be a player who accompanies us on a journey. McGinn's been one of the... You know, for all of the good things he's done in the time he's been at the club... In recent weeks, the amount of misplaced passes at key moments, and um, I know he's been playing slightly out of position and, and whatnot, but he, he's one of those. He, he's one of the players where, if he's got to move into that level of high, super high consistency, uh, and again, you wonder whether there was a top top midfielder in that sort of triangle of players. Does he perform better? You know, as we see for you know his stats for Scotland, possibly are yeah. com- night and day compared to Villa, really. Yeah, yeah. So how how do you get that out of him? And that. Because I do see that in McGinn, or I don't. I do think we could see that in McGinn, but how long do we? You've got, to, you've got to let him loose further forward, haven't you? I think you've got to sort of unshackle or, him a little. Or is bit. he at risk of being seen as oh, as replaceable in in a, if we're mm. playing a particular formation or a style of football? Um, this is why I think these next couple of transfer windows are really, really tricky because if there's opportunism purchases available I don't get the impression that Perslow in any way is sentimental about who's no. who's in the starting 11 oh, or McGinn's, in the squad sorry yeah no McGinn's a, a strange one because whenever you say he's, he's like playing slightly out of position I mean there's like a voice in the back of my head going it's not as if he's playing nets he's not playing up front he's still playing in midfield so we should be able to yeah, put in point. competent performances yeah, not fair. just kick the ball Wildly out. Um, I mean, everybody likes him again. They want to see the best out of him, but I don't He's think... He's probably our most popular yeah. player, isn't yeah. he, really? I don't think the, the slightly out of position should affect his game as much as it does. I think I if McGinn's playing badly, I think um, we play badly as well. Yeah. yeah. I agreed. think that's... And that's that's the kind of drive player um, perhaps we were talking about. If You know, who, but who's... But we're also... I mean, you know, somebody in a previous podcast mentioned, mentioned uh, Henderson, and that is a profile of player... That probably we could do one of those two midfielders that I'm uh, 
you know, mm-hmm. thinking about. Just a, a real steady Eddie who just keeps everything ticking over. Yeah, nothing like Flash, but steady Eddie's in the right place at the right time and keeps, you know, keeps things uh, real, ticking over. A real talker as well, Henderson. He is. He's a great captain. He's grown into that role. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Villa did have a habit back, Mrs. Back in the day of, of acquiring players. Like uh, Richardson sticks in my head, that Richardson, kind of player. Richardson, Townsend. You know, mm-hmm. you know, those are the kind of, of personalities, like I suppose. Barry, to be fair. But, you know, when you look at the Villa midfield that won the league, uh, I mean, you've got Des Bramner, Mortimer and Cowns, and it, and it's... It just it's a unit. Yeah, yeah. They're playing the as a as a three together. We don't look at our midfield as a as as a unit. No, no. Even like the um, like when, when I sort of McGinn kind of does his own thing in my book. Yeah. Well, we call, we call him a weapon, don't we? You pull the pin, throw him at the opposition, and hope for destruction. It's it is pretty much he's a blunt instrument. Ramsey isn't really uh, in sync in the unit when it comes to the def- the defensive side of the game. Not yet. The midfield does not really defend as a unit. I mean, the amount of goals we've conceded where our last gasp tackle is in the opponent's half and we're suddenly at the opposition's at the races and uh, counterers and there's just, you know, a couple of centre-backs there for them to deal with. Uh, we're not defending as a, as a disciplined unit. He's got a lot of sort of a lot of questions to, to answer both personnel-wise and sort of tactically because we, we said on the previous show, regardless of the personnel, has he been getting the best out of what he's got? And I think it's a hard no from me. Yeah. Should the side we've got have been performing better? Yes. So Grealish, uh, 100 million in, and people, you know, still people I see on social media going, oh, we're going to spend the 100 million. Uh, it's like, well, the the fact that Perslow put out that statement, well, it was live, wasn't it, uh, last summer, yeah, where he said we are replacing Jack Grealish in the aggregate with three players, basically saying that 100 million paid for Buendia, Ings and Bailey. Now, I, you know, I did. I got the maths calculator out, and uh, have we got value for them? And um, you know, we we paid around ninety million for those three players, and that was going to give us the depth to actually be a proper team to uh, have a stab at being the best of the rest. Ings and Buendia have played of the total minutes that uh, Aston Villa have played in the Premier League this season. They've played fifty. Seven percent, and to me, that's that sounds quite uh, generous. It doesn't feel like they've been involved. We need that Portuguese sixty-minute rule to come in. <laughs> <laughs> it's way below that you that you want, but it actually sounds generous from the impact they've actually had. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Bailey, he's played twenty-two percent of uh, all the minutes that Filler have played in the Premier League so far, which is just for thirty million. It's a joke. His oh, first two percent were the best. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. was it a 20-minute cameo against Everton and then done? Yeah, and that's it. Now, if you've just spent £90 million on what should transfer, transform your team, you're giving it, you're replacing Grealish, I, I think, on the upside uh, with those three players. It's like, and it should improve the team because suddenly you're not reliant on one player. And by the way, he's played 55% of the total minutes uh, in the Premier League that Manchester City have played. So he's kind of doing what he did uh, with us to a certain extent. You you, sh- you should be really kicking on, and of course they've all been injured or whatever. But that that all plays into it. Now this is uh, an interesting question because you know personally we're still bullish on uh, Johan Lang and uh, talking about him, him and Lang as a you know good a good team. But uh, the jury is very much out at the moment. Uh, but you know we've said this before. All these signings have looked good on paper when they've come in, and you know people have been enthused about them and with good reason. Those three players we mentioned there, Bailey. 
potentially a little bit of uh, uncertainty about him. I mean, some good show reels, you know, good goals against Bayern Munich, all that kind of shit. But Ings and Buendia, you know, thumbs up when they came in. So, you know, you, you can't really uh, blame Lang if he's getting in players that actually leg- legitimately you, you're happy to have and they don't perform that's not on him but uh, when you look at the profile of that team and it's lacking physicality I mean you saw that against Spurs when we were just being beaten to every second ball and pushed off the ball it's, you know sometimes on in the 50-50s there's definitely a, a lack of uh, physical presence in the team so you could uh, put that on Lang's uh, table but he has to come into the microscope but it's a, it's a whole thing isn't it it's management it's, it's collective it's, it's a real collective issue that, uh, but the bottom line is when you boil it down, the owners are, are like, right, where did you budget for this season? Ah, right, we didn't finish there. Oh, where did you budget for last season? Ah, okay, and we didn't finish there. It suddenly becomes a narrative of uh, not continuous improvement, it's continuous failure. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And this is, of course, where, where Perslow's, you know, he'll be managed against that because the, the book. The book stops stops with him ultimately, and uh, uh, I'm intrigued to see what happens because without the continuous improvement, is you know will come uh, an increasing ruthlessness as as we saw earlier in the season with Smith. Because well, the, we stand to see. I mean, this transfer window. I mean, the f- the fees and, and wages are, are astronomical in football now, and if if against a backdrop of um, bringing the the infrastructure of the club into the 21st century of the next 12 18 months, and um, we're talking serious investment, we, we you know. You know, per- Perslow and his team are going to have to start delivering for the owners. Um, yeah, you know, ultimately, aren't they? Because que- questions, questions will be asked, and um, and also, you know, you have to fill a new stadium somehow, and uh, it needs to be. Uh, you know, you need to have that narrative of continuous improvement and uh, achievements uh, on the pitch. You know, wh- wh- whether that's a good cup run or uh, getting in that top eight or so, it needs to happen, or else. Uh, that waiting list is going to disappear. You can't hike up the prices in these economic times and not expect there to be a backlash. And people, you know, obviously are so dedicated to Villa that they'll, uh, it's, it's, and for some people it's their priority and that's where they'll put their money rather, you know, they'll be wearing an extra jumper in terms of heat in their homes. But if you start to give them an excuses to uh, go, yeah, you know what, I can't really afford this season ticket after all. I just wondered going back to that Everton game. That was the that was sort of like the the peak of we thought right. Jared's Ger- got these boys doing exactly what he wants, and now he's got two weeks with them to to really hammer that in. I think like it's almost like a switch flick. It's like Gerard was you know he's getting the best out of the the players he had, and in sort of not a very different formation than Smith was playing, just a bit tighter. And Smith was playing. Then he had those two weeks, and he goes right now. We're going to play my way, and it's just like he's just looked at me. He's like he's almost like treated the second half of the season as an experiment to see which players can play his way, and it's, it's, you can just see the way it's going. It's like ups kind and downs. Of, I, I I I kind of agree with that, but I think if you're going to experiment at the moment, because you kind of knew once we'd won those three games, you're not going to be in trouble below you. But it isn't like we've seen wholesale changes, or you kind of you turn up to Villa Park, you think, God, I don't even know what system they're going to play today. At least if they were doing that and getting beaten by Arsenal, getting pumped by Spurs, etc. You kind of go, all right, well, I can, at least I can see there's clearly experimentation. Now, if you, I don't think there'd be any any fan at the moment, for example, who'd say, well, all the guys who've played CDM haven't worked. He's going to give Iroguanum a start. All right, fair enough. He's earned the right to have a game. Or, oh, he's, he's going to play three up front, or he's going to play a back three and wing backs. Or you know, whatever it is, his tweaks, at least if he's very visibly trying stuff, then you kind of give him a bit of a hall pass. But when essentially it's the same system 
similar players and the same errors, you kind of go, what are you learning here? Hmm. Are you just trying to reinforce that this guy's not good enough and he's not good enough and that's why? It, it kind of seems a bit like you, you don't want to get to, well, July, but you certainly don't want to get to August um, and have wasted this this sort of second half of the season, which for me, there's there's a bit of that creeping in where you think, we're not really learning anything. We didn't already know in January here. We are making some of the same mistakes, certainly, and, and there's there's sort of a, a, a you know, if you think of it like... Same sp- mistakes we were making under Smith as well, to well, be there's, fair. Well, there's, there's some, some of our players are, you know, we've we've got some quality in certain areas, and as we've discussed, really, there are some some glaring shortcomings. Squad depth for me is is, is the glaring is is one of the glaring things. Um, I, I think that the thing that's been a bit bizarre to me has been that at times I think Gerard Gerard could rightly point to some some subpar individual performances in the games, particularly the last four. Yeah, you know, weird things like. You, you create was it fifteen chances against Spurs and some of them were clear cut and you you miss them um, up against some really bizarre repeated tactical blunders you know yeah. and then you got stuff like the weird thing against Arsenal where you get this post match comment that some people don't buy into the vision or or some I'm paraphrasing but I'm sure you recall yeah and, well, he, he basically said like you know there's there's some players that if, yeah. if they're not going to do it they won't be here next year which and, is and, well and, for and some that players, was, they'll know it's them <laughs> well that was going to be my last point clearly. I am a bit, you know, where are we now? Mid mid to late April. Some of those pl- those players have to know. Particularly, they're either think they're either talking to their agents saying, "Get me out of here," you know, if you if you lower squad squad players. Some of the youngsters youngsters potentially, or you've been told you're going. <laughs> Hence, why Perslow w- says to a fan consultation group, "There's going to be rejuggling," which there was always going to be anyway. But there's probably ended up. Will it will end up being more than they would have liked? It's not uh, just putting the final pieces to a squad we've been building over the last three years, and I think it's all down to a the physicality of some of the players and just the attitude. I mean, you look, look at that Liverpool game against Manchester City, FA Cup semi final. They were two 0 up just by doing like what Wimbledon, the crazy gang, would do. First goal from a corner, wasn't it? Direct yeah. header. Yeah. Big physical was... presence, douche. And then the second Harrying one the was just fucking ha- hassling the goalkeeper. I was waiting for them to start saying, oh, this is a vintage Liverpool team. And you're just thinking, well, Wimbledon could have done that yesteryear in mm. like the 80s. But that's something we don't really have. We don't. Liverpool, Liverpool and City are actually the two best. Ex- yeah, they're, they're the best examples of teams who, when they haven't got the ball, you look at their work rate off the ball and their desire to get it back quickly. I would say Liverpool, they've got that over Manchester City in terms of the... I mean, this wasn't in the FA Cup, it wasn't the number one uh, Manchester City team. I mean, they obviously made five changes. So, But Liverpool, I remember a couple of seasons back when they were just literally camped out, just putting in those diagonal balls. It wasn't like they were doing anything uh, fancy against us. It was when uh, we were 1-0 up and they, they scored yeah, two they late goals. they were just goals. so fucking functional, weren't they? They were basically, yeah, very functional, just just putting in balls from the edge of the 18 to uh, the edge of the opposite six-yard line, putting it in the danger zone. The difference between the the Klopp, the Klopp Liverpool and the, the Liverpool teams of before that went before, it wasn't a lack of quality in, in terms of individual players, but they didn't have exactly what you dis- just described. It was that intensity and doing the fundamental things really, really well. Liverpool have got one of the tightest shapes uh, in the division and it, it's just so efficient. But if, if you you talk about you know West Ham team, for instance, which is the best of the rest comment, they, they no, don't necessarily have the, the quality and personnel to transcend into that elite level, but they play in that way. They they are hassling. They, yeah. I was watching their yeah, European physical. game the other night. Technically Suchek very and good. Suchek very... and Rice are physical as well. Remember when oh, they played us but, a bit? But Villa were us. Villa under Smith uh, at, at a stage last season were pressing, yeah, like well tenaciously. But that's that's disappeared really since sort of February 
2021. Yeah. That turn of the year period. And it's just sort of the... Because the... that was meant to be the future, wasn't it? We're going to be like high pressing. That's why mm-hmm. we signed Watkins, because he can actually do a one, one-man one press. That is uh, a puzzle. We have abandoned like, Yeah, and that, and that just disappeared out of nowhere. And you, you were you were thinking, well, Gerard's probably uh, going to have an element of that back, this kind of tenacity and not to give the opposition time in, in, in any area of the, uh, of the and pitch. I think, and I think all that stuff, it, it links into something else we've discussed about the general match day atmosphere. I think when we've said it numerous times, one tackle can lift the crowd or when you see a team getting pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed and then, and then you force the ball out for a throw-in or something, the crowd react well to the stuff like that because they know that Right, we're we're actually up for the fight here. I, I was going to say as well. One thing I think we I haven't particularly seen is is you you sort of get a feeling, you know, when you think a goal's coming, you know, something's building yeah. over over ten or fifteen minutes. We, I feel that a lot pressure. with the opposition teams. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but uh, we, we've seemed to have lo- last lost that uh, of late, and I wonder whether that's because of I don't know. I mean, it was almost like I mean, you'll remember like under the sort of the O'Neill era. If if what when rather not if Ashley Young would go down anywhere near the penalty area, especially out wide, you thought right, we're going to put a good ball in the box. And there's a fair chance. It. There's a fair chance one of Melberg or Larson or Dunn or Collins or will get on the end of this. Gabby, Carew, yeah. mm-hmm. etc. You know, we, we thought we're going to be a threat here, and that's not. I'm not. You know, we could do a whole fucking podcast on Villa's set piece issues. Um, yeah, don't start. But it's this thing that you look at our players. You think, well, we but, clearly ca- we carry a threat, and and that's what I was thinking. Uh, one of the reasons I highlighted that Liverpool uh, semi final was just there is a certain pr- uh, pragmatism about what Liverpool do, and then you compare it to Villa with their bloody nanny McPhee and all these stepovers and two players running into each other while taking a free kick, notes being passed on because nobody knows what they're doing. They're not playing the percentages, are they, at no, all, no, Villa? No, like just hitting an area. Hit an area yeah. with a good ball in. The, only, the few times we did it was when um, that was the Dina whipped uh, corner and, and Buendia with the near post header. Just hit an area really well, flicked on, goal. I mean, Graham Taylor, version one in his first reign. I remember, you know, his famous interview Get racing. to Derek Mountfield. Just get it in the box was basically his mantra. You've got to cause the opposition problems. And when Liverpool played us that time and we were 1-0 up, that's what they were doing. They were, it was like a diagonal bombardment of our box. Yeah, and by doing but, that, you, and you the make percentages the pay off. Yeah, You make the opposition uh, make decisions. And you also, you, you start to make the referee make decisions. I can't remember how, like, this, how many times this year we've had penalties at Villa Park. Not very yeah. many. Because we're not putting men in the box. You've got to create that pressure to elicit the mistake from the defence, don't you? Yep. And it, like, there was always this thing, wasn't it, where, oh, you know, Man U always gets so many penalties at Old Trafford. Like, yeah, well, it's not a coincidence. They put men in the box. Yeah. And I they pressure the opposition in there. Don't worry, Sean, Sean Dash will fix it. <laughs> Tarkowski that... coming up for corners. <laughs> Is that the note to finish on? <laughs> Sean, don't worry, Sean, Sean Dash will fix, fix it. Matthew Layton <laughs> on an emergency loan. Apparently Tarkowski's available for free. <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to uh, the new My Old Man Said patrons who have uh, signed up in the last week or so. Uh, Daniel Kerry and uh, annual membership wise, uh, if you sign up uh, annually, you do get two free months, which is around 15% off. Uh, so a big shout out to Jason Ward, Richard Saunders, Dan Wilson and Sean Barnes. When you sign up to be a My Old Man Said patron, you get access to the Mom's Patreon extra channel where uh, i've got a uh, solo show on the uh, 
the FCG meeting. So uh, watch out for that. That's incoming. And I've just put out uh, part three, quite funny actually, of the uh, Mad Few uh, sessions, which we recorded a couple of weeks ago, and we'll do a new one uh, very soon. Also, you get access to uh, Match Club, and we will be uh, in Match Club for uh, the Leicester City game. So uh, if you are a patron already, please do join us there also uh oh yeah patrons by the way feel free you're all on twitter uh retweet the show uh when uh the tweet comes out and uh help spread the word it's free it helps right there's nothing uh positive to say until we get on that field again so that's all there is there isn't any more positivity must come on the grass until then it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye 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 Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.